Welcome to the podcast of Trinity Episcopal Church in Vero Beach, Florida. We are glad to have you join us. Our hope is that this sermon will instill you with a profound sense of God's love and that you might receive and reflect His glory to your community. From St. Mark's Gospel, Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, everybody. If Jesus' words this morning made you squirm a little bit, don't say I didn't warn you last week, because I did. We are in the middle of a series called The Hard Sayings of Jesus. And um, they're really not all that hard, but they, on the surface, appear to be a lot more difficult than they really are. And, and I think the reason is because we... We're so used to this idea of Jesus being, you know, love and forgiveness and peace and fairies and lollipops and things like that, that we, we like that Jesus, but we forget that Jesus is always kind of cranking it up a little bit. He's always challenging us to think differently, to question our assumptions and to ask, where are you? And are you really where you claim to be? In other words, Jesus challenges us not uh, for, he challenges us for our own sake. And so, This series, I hope, will help you see Christ in a little bit of a different angle and, more importantly, see the words which are challenging to be actually words of great growth and potential for you. Last week, we talked about divorce. If you want to go back and look at that one again, it's on the website. And today, we're going to tackle another one which is kind of squirrely, and that is the question of money. And uh, if Jesus' words made you kind of wonder— well, I wonder if I could get my camel through that needle. <laughs> wonder if I could actually work a camel through a needle, which of course you can't do. If it made you uncomfortable, these words about wealth and money, it made them uncomfortable too. They were exceedingly astonished. The, the English says it's very, very strong in the Greek. So we're going to look at two points today that I hope will be helpful to you. First, I'm going to look at the danger of wealth. The danger of wealth. And then secondly, the cure of the gospel, the danger of wealth, and then second point, the cure of the gospel. So first, the first point is the danger of wealth. When's the last time you thought of it that way? Mark tells us that there's a man who comes to Jesus, and he says, teacher, what must I do to be saved? Now, this story is actually recounted in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and each of the three authors of these gospels give us a little bit of different information. Mark says the man, this morning, Mark's gospel says the man was wealthy. Luke says the man was a ruler, a man with political position. Matthew says that he was young. So frequently this dude, who is unnamed, is referred to as the rich young ruler, right? Kind of like, think about someone that you know who's sort of a type A, successful, influential guy. He's devout, People love this guy. He's a rock star. He's got it all, right? He's the kind of guy you want your girls to marry. He's like, he's like Paul Ryan, right? Everybody likes the guy. He's smart. He's intelligent. Maybe he's like Harrison Ford 30 years ago when he was Han Solo, right? Han Solo. That's the kind of person that this man is. He's a man that people admire and respect and look up to. But despite that, despite the fact that this unnamed man has everything the world could give him, he knows, here's the, here's the interesting thing I want to dial in on. He knows that something's just not right. Something's just not sitting right in his craw, right? 
he's having, a, he's having an issue. He's having a, a challenge. How do I know that? Well, because he finds Jesus and he asks him a question. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Listen to that again. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And I'll get to that in a second. But let me, before we dive into that do, let me ask you a question. Have you ever, ever been where this guy is? You ever had a, an existential moment? <laughs> a, uh, we call it a midlife crisis, right? When you're about 40 years old, right? 35, 40, 45, right in that ballpark. A lot of times people really begin to challenge their, their life. And the reason being simply that by that point of your life, your midlife, you begin to uh, achieve things you'd always wanted to achieve. And you begin to also see that those very things don't make you happy. So this man is having an existential crisis. Something's wrong. Something's not sitting right in his spirit. Let me tell you, and I'll give you an example. In his book, Counterfeit Gods, by Tim Keller, Tim Keller points out something which I found to be astounding. Back in 2008, when there was the great big financial collapse, when a lot of people lost a lot of money, Keller tells a story about men that were in New York City where he ministered. Tim Keller's a pastor in New York, that men who had lost all this wealth, and after the collapse, they lost hope, and there was this whole series of suicides, apparently very public ones as well. And it might sound strange, but here's the the interesting part of that, is that these men did not commit suicide because they lost their money. It's because they had, what Keller says, it's because they had lost their selves, in other words, their, their self-concept, their, health, their whole image of who they are, their whole idea of what made them important people had been ripped out, had been torn away. And if your self-image is based on money or anything else, for that matter, your wife, your kids, your career, whatever it is, when you lose it, listen, if you lose it, you lose you. You know, we've all heard this expression, you've heard it before, The love of money is the root of what? All evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. You know, you know St. Paul said that, right? It comes out of 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. And it doesn't actually say that. What Paul says is that the, listen, the love of money is the root, the cause of all kinds of evil. Listen to that again, that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. He does not say that the money is the root of evil. Money is not intrinsically bad. Paul does not say that misspending money is the root of all evil. Paul does not say that the disproportionate distribution of wealth is the root of evil. No. What he says is, listen, Paul says the love of money, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now look, most of us think of that as Someone who's wealthy is somebody who loves money, right? All that guy cares about is money. All she cares about is money. We like to think of people that love money as people that have it. But you can just as much love money if you don't have it. Look at these riots you see when people, when uh, we have catastrophes and people loot stores. That's the root of evil, not because they have money, but because they love it and they don't have it. Because here's the thing, we love what we value. We love, we spend our time on things, listen, that make us feel loved. Let me ask you this. 
And you're going to say no, but the answer is yes. <laughs> Ready? Do you love money? Your initial gut reaction is, ah, no, not me, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm humble. I don't love money. Uh, yeah, you do. We all do. And I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you. Does your wealth or your lack of it, either way, two sides of the same coin, define you? Well, no, a father, it doesn't define me. Oh, man, hang on. Are you, uh, are you envious of those who have more than you? And are you uh, maybe a little contemptuous of those who have less? <laughs> Friends, we all love money because it's the cultural measure of success. We fall into the trap, even as Christians. That's why Jesus' words are so important for us today to dial in and examine this. And this rich young man, this rich young ruler, he loved money too. He, he wasn't flamboyant or ostentatious or even arrogant. But he loved it. Why? It defined him. It defined him. It defined his self-worth. But the problem, the tragedy, is that it fails him. Let me show you something. The man comes to Jesus and he says, Teacher, what must I do? What must I do to have eternal life? And if you look again, it says Jesus looked at him. It doesn't mean he just looked at him like, excuse me? It's a, he, he dials, Jesus looks into this man's spirit. And he loves him. And he says, Bob, whatever the guy's name was, who knows? <laughs> Bob, you lack one thing. Go sell what you have. Give it all to the poor, and you will have treasure. And follow me. Friends, here's the thing I want you to see. The point one is the danger, the danger of wealth. And I use that word intentionally. Money is not a bad thing, per se. To have money is not a bad thing, per se. But listen, what makes it dangerous is that it has, a it has the power to blind us to the gospel. Let me give you an example. You ever go to the dentist? Yes? You go to the dentist and you go and you, they're gonna, doc's gonna do some work on you. And what does he do? He gives you a shot of uh, Novocaine, right, Dr. Haygood? <laughs> gives you a shot of Novocaine and he gets working on you and he's pulling out fillings or he's putting in fillings or he's doing whatever he's doing in there and you can hear it and you can, you know, you know something's going on and, uh, but you can't feel anything. You're, you're, you, you are desensitized to the pain. The damage is still there. Your tooth's still getting pulled out. You're still getting fillings put in. But the tooth has been numbed. The damage is there. Listen, you just can't feel it, right? Friends, money, money and wealth is an anesthetic. It can be an anesthetic. It dulls the pain. It masks the real insecurity underneath. That's the danger of it. And once that anesthetic wears off, like in the rich young man's case, or anybody's case, your case, mine, once that anesthetic wears off, the problem, if not treated, will just come back, and it will come back with a vengeance. This is precisely what happens to this man. And he says to Jesus, Jesus, what must I do? What must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, look, man, here's the problem, Bob. Give it all away and follow me. Now, Jesus doesn't say to every person to give it all away, but to this man, the diagnosis for this man is to give it all away. And then it says in verse 22, disheartened by, his, by the saying, the man went away 
sorrowful. The word there is the word stignazo. It's a Greek word. And it doesn't mean like, oh man, I wanted to go to the club today. I got to give up my car. I got to sell my nice house. I love that house. When the man is sorrowful, it's not be- he's not sorry because he's not, he's going to give away his things, his toys. What is actually the word there stignazo means is that when that man is sorrowful, a part of him, a part of him died. Why? Well, his wealth defined him. His wealth defined who he was as a human being. Remember, everybody admired him for his success. Everyone looked up to him, his wealth, his accomplishments. All these things gave him security, and they gave him identity, and that's the problem. And that's why Jesus says, if you want to be saved, Bob, you've got to get rid of all that stuff and put me in the front seat. You've got to give it all away and stop identifying yourself with your stuff and instead identify yourself, Jesus says, by me. So here's my question for you today, friends. How do you, how do you define yourself? Maybe you're not sure. I want to help you in a second. But how do, you, how do you define yourself? Well, let me ask you this. What if you went to a party and someone said, so tell me about yourself. What would you say? That is how you identify yourself. What are the things that you use to identify yourself and more importantly, that make you a person of worth and value? What is it? If it's wealth... That's the dangerous problem because it fools us, it deceives us, and it cannot deliver. What do you identify with? If somebody asks you today at lunch, tell me about yourself, what would you say? So the the danger of wealth is that it it numbs us to the power of the gospel. It numbs, it covers up the things deep down that we need so desperately to bring to the foot of the cross. And then the second point is, this is a lot shorter, but I'm going to make a point. The solution of the gospel. So if the power of that wealth is dangerous, how does the gospel of Jesus Christ fix the problem? Well, let's look again here. Jesus, the man comes to him and says, what must I do, Lord? And Jesus looks at him and loves him and says, sell it all. Did you ever notice that before? Jesus doesn't say, ah, you filthy capitalist, get rid of all your money. No, he's, Jesus loves the man and says, give it all away. Jesus tells him to give it away, not because he doesn't love him, but because he does. Don't you see? And that's the entire point. See, the point of the gospel is actually betrayed in the man's own question. Did you see it? What must I do? Everybody in this room is in a culture which says you must do, you must achieve, you must act. But that's not the gospel. The gospel, the Christian gospel says that Jesus Christ dies for you. And that all you have to do is accept that gift. You can't earn it, and you don't deserve it. You don't have to prove yourself. You don't need to earn it because you can't. The solution of the gospel says this, is that if Jesus Christ is your source of identity, if Jesus Christ is your front and center, and you, then you realize something very, very profound, that you can never lose him because you never earned him in the first place. In other words, when you realize that Jesus Christ is your identity and he alone is the only thing which can never be stripped away from you, you can rest in that. You could have money and you could have nothing. Job says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in good and in bad, if your identity is in him, you will never lose hope. You know, this man is the only one that I could find in Scripture that Jesus says, Bob, sell it all. 
Sometimes Jesus, when he comes across somebody who's wealthy, the, he, the person, Zacchaeus, for example, the tax collector who got his money by stealing it, <laughs> he doesn't give it all, he doesn't have to give it all away, but he gives a lot of it away. So my point is, we are not all as Christians called to live lives of poverty, but we are all, friends, called as Christians to tithe, to give 10% of our income to the work of the church. And if you think I'm trying to pull a fast one, I'm not. <laughs> the reason I'm saying this to you is because when you tithe, which I started doing years ago, you begin to see something very, very profound, that Jesus Christ takes front spot. He becomes your source of identity. He becomes what you rely upon. In other words, the tithe, the tithe giving money to the church for, is not for, yours, for God's sake, it's for yours, to put Jesus in the center where he belongs. Don't take my word for it, man. Ask somebody who does it. I've never, ever, ever met somebody in my ministry who tithed and regretted it, ever. Why? Because they see that God belongs in spot number one, and, when, and that's where you put him. Friends, my brothers and sisters, hear me. You and I matter, not because of what you do, not because of what you have. In fact, if you realize that Jesus Christ is your identity, you can have all these things of this world and take them or leave them. You and I are people of worth and value and God's love, not because of what you do, but because of what Jesus has done in your, in your place. And that is a gift which you did not earn and you and I certainly don't deserve, but which Jesus Christ offers you simply because he created you and he loves you and he wants you and me to flourish. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for your word which challenges us, which calls us to think about things we sometimes would rather not think about. Help us, Lord, to, you, to the right concept and understanding of wealth. Not that it defines us, not as it a mark of our success, but rather as a tool by which we might be servants of your church and change the world for good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our Trinity Episcopal Church podcast. To find out more about the work God is doing through Trinity, visit us online at trinityvero.org and follow us on Facebook.